Hey, what's up, everybody? It is another episode of the Snipe and Selly podcast, FTF Media's guide to anything and everything happening on the ice. I'm your host, Mark, and I'm joined once again by my awesome line mates. It's going to be a split recording episode for us today, so you'll hear Jake on with me at the second half of the, today's episode. But right now, I have my wonderful line mates, Lauren and Haley, with me. How are we, ladies? Another week, like Haley said in the before we recorded, it does not feel like Tuesday. It feels like, a, like Thursday or Friday already. Yeah, it was definitely the Mondayest Tuesday ever. It felt like Monday the entire day, so not a great uh, start of a week, but I have the rest of the week off, so I'm happy about that. Oh, I, I envy you. Yeah, as someone who works in a sales-centric industry, the end of the quarter is hell. So uh, this, these past two days, as we record here on Tuesday, March 30th, uh, have seemed like an entire month. So, and I have got another day of it and, until it ends. So uh, yay me. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, at least we have some awesome hockey to discuss. Uh, so on that note, stay tuned over the next hour or so to hear our thoughts on what's been going on around the National Hockey League and the hockey world as a whole since the last time we all got together. And so, without further delay, let's drop the puck for our opening face-off. And so, ladies, I want to go to you first. Do you have an opening face-off, just uh, something that's kind of been burning on your mind as we get uh, today's show started? I'm just really pumped for the Boston Pride. And shout out, you know, me for getting the, uh, the thing right. I think Haley did, too. I think, um, so go, go us. Girl power right there. So that's, that's my opening face-off. Yeah, shout out to, and we'll, we'll get uh, all into the NWHL Isabel Cup weekend uh, here in just a second, but technically all three of us did uh, get the Boston Pride winning the Isabel Cup correct, but only Lauren and Haley got the exact matchup correct. The Connecticut Whale didn't just let me down, they let me down in epic fashion, so we'll, we'll discuss, but uh, you know, shout out to both Lauren and Haley. <laughs> Hales, how about yourself? Do you have an opening face-off for us today? Yeah, I mean, I just had a gloat that, that you were going to be wrong because I remember at the end of the last episode, I gave you a little bit of crap for it too. So I'm glad that Lauren brought that up. And I can't wait for my championship shirt to get here. Yeah, we, we actually gave away um, some items off of the NWHL website as well. Uh, so Shout out to our friends, the Slap, uh, Slapshot Sweethearts podcast. We're actually going to be doing a stream with them later this week. Uh, so, you know, as you are listening to this episode, definitely tune in for that, for that stream as well, if it airs uh, beforehand. Uh, but uh, we, we might be doing some more work with them. Uh, really cool, uh, cool ladies over there at the, uh, the Slapshot Sweethearts podcast. Definitely check their show out as well. As for myself, I wanted to provide my opening face off here to something that you know, we've criminally undercovered on this show and, and mea culpa for that. And that is NCAA hockey because NCAA hockey is also just as thrilling. And just this past weekend, we had one of the coolest college hockey games that I've ever watched, no pun intended, uh, between uh, Minnesota Duluth and North Dakota. A five overtime game in the NCAA tournament. Uh, this game did not end until, you know, I think close to two in the morning Eastern. I, I'm not going to lie. I passed out after the third overtime. Uh, I, I passed out on the couch. I can't hang. I'm washed up. Uh, but that was just an absolutely thrilling game to watch. It was really cool. It actually was on after the uh, Isabel Cup uh, final. 
So I was, uh, you know, I just had a, a wonderful evening full, uh, full of hockey. So the Frozen Four is still uh, upcoming. So we, we might make some predictions uh, coming up uh, on, on the Frozen Four and, uh, and just give, uh, give NCAA hockey some shine. So I wanted to start off by mentioning, yeah, five overtime game, absolutely thrilling. Uh, we had one in the Stanley Cup playoffs, again, not too, uh, too long ago, back over the summer. So that, that's just absolutely thrilling hockey. And uh, that's a tough, tough way to lose. But uh, definitely something you remember forever if you win. So a uh, shout out to Minnesota Duluth for, uh, for their victory. But with, uh, with that being said, we wanted to, again, get started and dive right in uh, to, uh, you know, we're not going to do league news right now. Uh, we'll cover a lot of league news with Jake uh, in the second half of this episode. So uh, for this portion with uh, Haley and Lauren, we want to dive right into some of the action on the ice. And we want to start with the Isabel Cup. Uh, a fantastic, fantastic weekend of hockey. Um, we had two games at Warrior Ice Arena on Friday night, and then the Isabel Cup final on Saturday evening. And the first game, uh, the, the second game really did not live up to, uh, to the expectation because of how much the Connecticut Whale got slapped around uh, and made me look foolish. Uh, but a just a tremendous weekend of hockey. Uh, to, to summarize things for you, uh, the first game took place between the Boston Pride and the Toronto Six. And Boston, despite the fact that they entered this tournament as the fourth seed, the lowest seed uh, in the Isabel Cup uh, semis, they smacked Toronto around pretty good. Uh, a final of 6-2. to two. Um, Toronto was within a goal uh, at the end of the first period. But other than that, Boston, you know, really, they really separated in the second and third periods in this really was not much of a contest, uh, despite the fact the shots were even 25 apiece. Uh, the Pride really, really looked fantastic. And Jillian Dempsey, uh, what else can you say about her? She was tremendous. So as uh, we kind of covered this first game, Lauren, I want to start with you. What were your thoughts on Pride versus Toronto Six and, uh, and just in general uh, about Friday evening's games? I mean, you said it perfectly. It was a great weekend of hockey. I think both games were, were really good. It's unfortunate Connecticut went out the way it did. I know that they had issues with their head coach there with uh, COVID protocols. I'm not sure if the head coach tested positive or if it was a protocol precaution. I can't remember right off the top of my head, but you know, it's, it's always fun when Boston beats Toronto, especially in the playoffs. So, I mean, you can't say enough about this pride team. I think we said last week they were hungry. They were ready to come in and just finish what they started from 2020. And Jillian Dempsey, like, she was all over the ice. I couldn't, you knew she was there. She was such a menace. And I think of, of all people, her, she was ready to get the second cup. You know, she's been in the league since it started. She was so close to her second last year. She's been in the championship before and lost. So to, to finish the season this way was so, so great for her. I was really, really happy for, to see that. But you know, I think too, it was just, it really showcased how great women's hockey is. They're on a national network. It was fun. It was fast paced. It was really easy to follow along. And I hope they continue to do this. I hope that more regular season games um, get picked up next year, whether it's NBC, ESPN, any sort of network to, to get these women the airtime they deserve because it's, like I said, it's fun. They let them play. There's not a whole lot of penalties being called. And it's still really, really intense hockey. So you can have that intense play and really just really, really full all around good hockey. 
and I'd watch it all over again if I could. I mean, those all the games were were great despite Connecticut kind of being a blowout, but it was still a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, the prop and the ice, uh, again, I cannot speak highly enough about it. Uh, I talked about it when we were discussing in previous episodes uh, on, on when the season was going on and on the streams on Twitch. And it was just a big, big moment for this league to have games uh, broadcast nationally uh, to a, a wide audience. Uh, you know, you had um, AJ Malesko, uh, you know, doing, uh, doing the games along with Kate Scott and um, my, I'm just going to say it, my new uh, celebrity crush, Kaylee Chelios. Um, she was fantastic as well. Uh, but yeah, it was just tremendous that, uh, that broadcast, they, they had a, a lot of fantastic production value. And I think something that a lot of people who hadn't been watching previously would come away with is the, the misconception that there's no body contact, uh, in the, the women's hockey game. There's no full body checking allowed, of course, but you know there's plenty of contact that ensues. It's not like they're glide, you know, tr- gliding around trying to avoid each other. I mean, this is intense physical hockey. Um, you know, I just saw a lot of fantastic passing and playmaking. You know, uh, the puck movement on some of the power plays rivaled that of N- something that you see in NHL games. Um, so these women are at the top of their field, and a lot of uh, it's actually probably tougher for some of the veteran players, because there's a ton of, uh, of women being plucked right out of collegiate programs who are, uh, are definitely younger. And, uh, and it's a chore to keep up with some of them. Uh, you know, there, there are tremendous skaters out there. So yeah, I was really, really impressed with what I saw in all three games over this weekend and uh, the season itself prior to the COVID shutdown. But Haley, I know you were watching, uh, you know, what were your takeaways on, uh, on this weekend of hockey and, uh, you know, and the pride Isabel Cup victory in general? Yeah, it kind of made me sad I didn't start watching sooner because they were so good. And, I mean, it was one of the more enjoyable hockey weekends I've really had in a long time. So, like, I love hockey. I enjoy watching it. But it was really exciting to see, like, women's hockey on TV and get to, you know, be a part of this historic moment. I really, really hope that they do this more in the future because it was so cool. Like I had a blast. I was home alone watching it, but I, so I was like yelling for the, the pride and stuff. And I bought a shirt as soon as it ended. I was really impressed with all of the women, like both sides of the team in the fight, both teams in the final, like the skating, the shots that they took. It was incredible hockey. And I did decide that I was going to cheer for the Pride. So you guys are welcome. I am now an official Pride fan. There we go. We love to hear that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it it really was a fantastic weekend. Before we touch on the actual Isabel Cup final from Saturday, I wanted to uh, touch a little bit on the Minnesota Whitecaps and Connecticut Whale game that I got so hilariously bad. Uh, in our predictions last week, listen, I mean, a 7 nothing final. And Minnesota just absolutely took it to Connecticut. Uh, Connecticut actually had 44 shots on net and could not score any. We, uh, we were going, uh, we were tweeting out some of the play-by-play for, uh, for goals on the Snipe and Selly account. Uh, shout out to Nina Rogers um, from the Minnesota Whitecaps. She liked one of our tweets. So, uh, you know, 
Nina Rogers, if you, now that you're aware of our existence, come on, Snipe and Sully. We'd love to have you. Um, but Lauren, what were your thoughts on uh, the Minnesota-Connecticut game? Because, yeah, it got away from, uh, it kind of got out of hand in a hurry, pretty much the two minutes into the second period, you kind of knew, knew it was over. But uh, you saw really no quit in Connecticut. I mean, it was the end of their season, and, you know, who knows when they're going to be able to start the next. So, obviously, it behooves them to continue to fight to the finish. But, uh, you know, 44 shots on net, I mean, the, the, they were not lacking in effort. No, I mean, we saw in the regular season that Amanda Levia is just an absolute force between the pipes. I mean, she can stop anything. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried watching Minnesota in that game after the Pride had won. I was like, oh, geez, like, I mean, it's going to be battle of the goaltenders. But, you know, when you stop 44 shots in a game, that's just, I mean, NHLers don't do that every night, you know? So it's just like, in the pride take a lot of shots. And I was like, this is going to be like a 60, um, 60 shot game with the pride and the, the white caps. But, you know, it's really unfortunate for Connecticut. I, of course I would have loved to see Boston Connecticut final, but you know, they had their own Connecticut had their own issues. And it, obviously, like you said, it wasn't for lack of effort. It was just, they couldn't figure out Minnesota's goalie situation and it was hard and you can't, I mean, there's no fault. It was just, they couldn't, put the puck on net. It was just that simple for, for Connecticut. But I think they'll, you know, bounce back next year. I think they'll be a little, they'll, they got to taste the playoffs. They'll be angry. Um, and they'll want to get their own revenge. But if Minnesota comes back with essentially the same roster next year, it's going to be really, really tough for them to do so. Yeah. And, and this game actually, at one point, this looked like it was going to be a, uh, a nail biter because at one point it looked like we were going to have a one, one game. Um, so Connecticut appeared to have tied the game. Uh, they, uh, they had a puck that quite frankly, I remember tweeting about it. I thought across the, the, the goal line fully. Uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was called a goal on the ice. It was reviewed by the officials and the officials eventually called it no goal. Um, and, you know, just like, I think no more than 30 seconds after the review ended, Allie Thunstrom went down the ice and Allie Thunstrom, uh, over the course of this weekend may have become, if not my favorite, maybe like my, my second or third favorite NWHL player. Uh, she is blazing fast. Uh, and she is like, as soon as this was uh, waved off and called no goal, uh, she ended up going on a breakaway like 30 seconds later, uh, just absolutely blazed her way down the ice and scored uh, to make it two nothing Minnesota. So that was a two goal swing uh, over the course of that minute or so of play and at that point, that's, that's just demoralizing uh, as, a, as a team. There was really no stopping her. Like, she's just so, so dang fast. Like, when I was watching that, I was like, oh, dear. Like, they're in trouble. <laughs> uh, Haley, did you uh, happen to – I know you were watching uh, the Pride Six game, and I know you caught the final. Did you happen to see Connecticut, uh, Minnesota? I did not. I was not able to watch that one, but I watched highlights. Yeah, and I mean, it just, again, it, it, it was 2 nothing after the first. Again, the, it looked like a 1-1 game. Uh, Allie Thunstrom's goal makes it 2 nothing. But then uh, two minutes into the second period, you have uh, Audra Richards uh, tipping home the, the rebound from Nina Rogers' shot uh, to make it 3 nothing. Then four minutes after that, uh, uh, we have an, another goal. Then not like even 35 seconds or so after that, Audra Richards scores again. 
Uh, Ali Thunstrom scores again. Oh, and guess what? Audra Richards scores again uh, to record a hat trick. Uh, so she scored three of the seven goals. Uh, just an absolutely tremendous, tremendous game uh, from start to finish from Minnesota. And, and it, at that point, as someone who was, you know, again, we're not pretending to be unbiased here. I was full on rooting for the Boston Pride. I remember thinking to myself, okay, this is going to be tough. Uh, like Lauren specifically had warned us about Minnesota. And I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a tough one for Boston to pull off. And, uh, and so, you know, we go into Saturday night thinking, you know, well, what does the Pride have to do in, uh, in order to, uh, to number one score? Because, you know, you had a 44 save shutout the day before. Uh, and, and also, you know, to make sure that you, uh, you know, can stop that offensive onslaught from Minnesota. Uh, so, you know, Lauren, as we kind of start off Saturday's game, uh, it was a much more closely contested game, but Minnesota actually kind of drew first blood. And once again, it was Allie Thunstrom. Yeah, I was, when I saw that happen, I was like, oh no, like she just got through traffic. She was just like, excuse me, excuse me. And just went right to the net. And I was like, I really hope this isn't foreshadowing how this game is going to go because it's going to be a bloodbath if that's the case. But, you know, it's the pride. You can never count them out. And they responded so well. You couldn't have asked for a better response. And this is what Paul Mara talked about. He, he said that if you know, he fully believes that the team that we saw in Lake Placid at the last two games is going to be the team we saw in the finals or in the playoffs, and that's exactly what happened. We saw that that pride team, 100% healthy pride team, go right in and just take this Isabel Cup like it, was, like it was theirs the whole time. And I think that you couldn't have asked for a better final. I think these two teams, you know, they were supposed to play in 2020, and because of COVID, it got canceled. And it was just a perfect ending for the pride anyway to just kind of, you know, get, get that revenge tour done, uh, do it against the team that they were supposed to play last year. But I mean, you can't even say enough about it. Even after, you know, you still have to give credit to the goaltenders, the, the defense, the, it was just a complete hockey all around. Yeah. And so the pride were trailing one, nothing after the first period. And I don't know what Paul Mara said to them in the locker room, uh, you know, what kind of rah-rah speech was given or what, but they came out, the pride came out in the second period looking like a different team. So uh, just two and a half minutes into the second period, Mary Parker uh, scores to knock the game up at one apiece. And at that point, it looked like Minnesota was back on their heels. Uh, and you know, eventually you get a Jillian Dempsey goal. Uh, again, you know, she was all over the ice. And then right before the end of the second period, this was, I think, an underrated but very cool story. Uh, if you were watching um, you know, these, these games over the course of the weekend, you definitely saw over one of the goals, the number 24 banner. Uh, and that is a banner devoted to Dena Lang, um, who unfortunately suffered a uh, career-ending injury uh, during a uh, professional game. And uh, her sister, Lexi Lang, uh, skates for the pride, and she scored on the power play to make it 3-1. Lauren, what kind, of, like, what kind of emotions did that kind of stir from you, just knowing the story of the Lang family and just seeing uh, Lexi score at this big stage to uh, you know, put the pride closer to an Isabel Cup title? It was so cool. I think, too, because, you know, Denna Lang's injury happened. It wasn't like it happened this year or last year. Like, you know, like, she's still a very much part of this team. And I think it's even cooler that, you know, Lexi now gets to play with the pride and kind of continue that Lang legacy. 
and just to know that they honored her in a simple way, just having her number there. And I think that's awesome. And I'm sure that it felt super emotional for Lexi to score and uh, kind of, I'm sure, I'm sure Jenna wants to be on the ice. I'm sure she wants to be out there continuing to skate and continuing to try to play for more Isabel cups. But I think that this was, it was really cool. Like for me, I was just like, wow, like, chills just because you see the banner right there you see the celebrations you see how happy they are and it makes you wonder like obviously you know she's happy she scored the goal but is there something else underneath being like I got to do this for my sister and I get to continue what she started even though she wasn't able to finish it like I'm able to continue this legacy for us yeah just an unbelievable moment um and at that point uh, we were going to the second intermission the pride were up by two goals and it was looking like, you know, it, it could have been over. Just the way that they were playing, it, it was a two-goal lead, but it seemed like a four-goal lead, uh, the way that the Pride had been playing. But similar to what Paul Mara said uh, to the – what he must have said to the Pride in the first intermission, it looked like Minnesota came out uh, you know, after the second intermission as a, uh, as a different team. And Haley, stop me if you heard this before. Once again, it was Allie Thunstrom getting uh, Minnesota back into the game, uh, you know, how stressful was that, this, especially the latter half of that third period? Yeah, I was like, you can't allow her to have any breakaways. Like, you can't just allow her to take the, the puck down the ice because it's almost guaranteed goal at this point, watching her skate and shoot. And so it was pretty stressful. Like, the last – especially the last part, I mean, it, it came down to the last – 19 seconds of the game so that that's the kind of hockey that you want to watch even though it gives you a heart attack the entire time you're watching it which Boston is used to in sports so I feel like the pride was just trying to follow in the footsteps of like all the other Boston sports we're trying to give you a heart attack until the game is actually over um so it was I mean it was enjoyable I loved that it was a close game I loved that both teams played their hearts out and it just was so amazing to me and like I don't know like mind blown that there were players that weren't there because they were coaching you know other women's teams I think it was high school teams and stuff in their playoffs so they couldn't play in the Isabel Cup final like you're not going to hear that in other sports oh we couldn't make our final because we have like other jobs that we cannot miss and so I don't know I just have a lot of respect for all the women that are out there playing. Yeah, and hopefully, and we'll cover this in a second, hopefully the NWHL can get to a point where those types of decisions don't have to be made anymore, that uh, this can be the primary employment uh, for all these women um, and, and for the coaches and executives as well uh, as, as the league continues to grow and revenue uh, continues to increase. Hopefully this can become their main source of income. Uh, not that they aren't doing incredibly amazing things uh, in their other, I mean, you have some of them who are teachers, uh, you know, working day jobs, uh, just, you know, tremendous that they're able to do both and balance both uh, being a professional athlete and, uh, and having another full-time job, just, you know, my hat is off to them. But, um, you know, despite Minnesota scoring with literally 19 seconds left on the power play uh, and making it very tense, the pride did hang on for a four, three victory. And thank God NBCSN, they, 
had the sense to not just kind of cut things off and say, okay, let's go on to antique roadshow or whatever. I often see uh, on that, that network, if it's not hockey, um, they stayed and they showed uh, the pride players skating around with the Isabel cup uh, and did some interviews with the players. And just, uh, you know, it was great to see that, them be able to soak in that moment and shout out to Paul Mara, who was on quite possibly my least favorite Bruins team of all time. Uh, in 2006, coached by Dave Lewis, who had a mustache. No man should have that mustache because of what it, uh, it closely resembles, a certain uh, figure throughout uh, world history. Um, Google Dave Lewis and his mustache, and you'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, so, But yeah, shout out to Paul Mara. Um, apparently still lives in the area, lives down, lives down the Cape, they were saying in the broadcast. So shout out to him uh, being a uh, Isabel Cup winning coach, and shout out to the ladies of the Pride. But Lauren, I want to go to you first. What are your kind of your goals and your dreams for this league moving forward? Again, this has been a huge step forward for the league and rumors that uh, there's going to be a seventh team added in Montreal. Um, the, you know, you have games being broad, broadcast nationally. As this league continues to grow, you know, what do you think is the next step as, uh, to see this growth accelerate? I mean, I think we need to see regular seasons you know, um, televised, maybe not so much nationally. I totally understand like contracts and everything, but you know, the Boston pride be televised in new England. Um, same with Connecticut and all the other teams like be televised, at least in your market, you know, that's how you start. Um, they're obviously very accessible on Twitch right now, but to be able to sit down, kind of just scroll through your TV, it makes it a little bit easier and it makes it, you know, someone like a, casual fan or just somebody who's flipping through like oh hockey I'll watch this um just kind of make it more accessible for everybody I think the expansion is great I think we need more of that as the league gets a little bigger and there's more eyes on it they obviously are doing well with their sponsors and you know bigger tv contracts they certainly don't need it by any means but it'll certainly help them I think that any kind of eyes on this league will be good to help them grow and really get to where they deserve to be. You know, I think that, you know, having them on, on your TV excessively, whether like any kind of channel, news channel, RSN, anything like that would be so, so helpful for this league. Um, they have huge stars in there already. You know, people know who Jillian Dempsey is. People know who Kaylee Fracken is. So, you know, I think too that, and it's hard because college hockey isn't always accessible as well, but a lot of these players come from big name schools. So, you know, maybe a little bit more access to um, college hockey and just, I think the social media is the show, social media teams do such a great, great job all around with being relatable, making these players really seen and heard. I think they do fantastic and they need to keep that up because their engagement goes up every single day. It seems like, um, but I think at the end of the day, it's just a matter of getting these ladies on TV more and being more accessible. Like I said, Twitch was great. Twitch was so much fun. But to be able to just have it right on your TV, right on that TV guide or whatever, right in the newspaper, wherever you get your information, and just be able to put on this channel and sit down and watch it. I think that's going to be something that would be so, so big for this league. Yeah. Uh, and again, judging off of the response to having the Isabel cup playoffs on NBCSN. I think that uh, it's opened some eyes a little bit. 
Uh, and I mean, you, even a, a network such as Nesson uh, will often do Providence Bruins games, uh, what was Pawtucket Red Sox games, now Worcester Red Sox games. Um, they've broadcast uh, NCAA hockey, men's and women's. Maybe Nesson could get into uh, the Boston Pride business. Who knows? Uh, I'm not going to ask you to divulge any trade secrets if you know anything, Lauren. Um, but uh, I mean, especially with uh, you know two teams in the New England area, maybe Nesson could get into uh, broadcasting some Pride games, and, uh, and that'd be another uh, way to get the exposure up. But yeah, networks networks are going to have to think about carrying these games uh, because it's clear that there's an interest and more people are tuning in. And you know, that, uh, that's something that could really take things to the next level. And I mean, the, the sponsorship with Duncan was a lot bigger than I thought it was. I mean, Duncan was everywhere last weekend. I knew that they had to deal with Discover, but you know, you had Duncan patches on all the jerseys, you had Duncan commercials, Duncan interacting with uh, NWHL on social media. Uh, so if they can get more large sponsors, that's even more revenue for the league. Haley, you know, to kind of echo the question that I posed to Lauren, you know, what do you think the next steps are for the NWHL to continue to grow and reach more fans? Yeah. I mean, it needs to be broadcasted. Not only do these women deserve it, but the amount of people I saw tuning in just on my Twitter feed and a couple of them were like me who had never even watched women's hockey before that weekend. And they were like, now I'm like a dedicated fan. So this one weekend being put on TV, you have all these people tuning in and they want to see more and they want to see it on their TV because that's where it should be. So I think that that is a major thing that they really need to consider. I'd be really interested to see how many people tuned into the final, at least, if not like the whole weekend to see how much viewership it got because my Twitter feed, I felt like was only Isabel Cup final and it was great. I loved it. Just being able to scroll through and see everybody's reactions as it was happening. Um, you know, sponsorships, like you said, that's great. That's, we want more revenue because we want these women to be paid what they're worth. And so stuff like that and commercials and anything to get these team names out there, these players names out there to get people to tune in, but they need to be on TV for people to tune into them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And hopefully as we're getting to a point in our country where the majority of Americans are going to be vaccinated, uh, hopefully soon, you know, hopefully by the time the NWHL starts its next season, you can have fans in the stands again um, and, uh, and, you know, create an environment that is, I, I would not to because this is a professional league. It's not, it's a, uh, it's not a minor league sport, but uh, an environment similar to what you see in uh, in the AHL with minor league hockey, where you have a ton of fan engagement at games, uh, you make it very kid friendly, uh, and you know anything to get more people to to show up and get more exposure uh, to the sport uh, will bring in more revenue for the league, and uh, and you know definitely make it more uh, more accessible for fans of all ages. Uh, because already you're seeing just such a positive response. And on the Twitch streams, there's no negativity. There's no trolling. It's just people who are there to enjoy a fantastic sport and, uh, and enjoy watching these women who are at the top of their, uh, of their professions. And quite frankly, I think what this league needs to get to the next step is it needs greater support from the National Hockey League. Um, and, you know, you saw some team, you know, you see some teams that will engage 
uh, Lauren's avalanche has been, has been very good about uh, engaging with uh, NWHL teams. Uh, given that Colorado does not have its own team, they're pretty much just engaging with everybody, which is good for them. But this needs to be something that doesn't just happen on Isabel cup weekend. You know, you need to have more crossover between these two leagues, uh, have the NHL promote these women uh, because again, it is a professional league. They are on par uh, with uh, the NHL players in terms of being the tops uh, in their sport. So you need to do more crossover and uh, support for these women. And I think that that will go a long way in continuing this steady climb that the league is experiencing. Um, so before we kind of move on, any just kind of closing thoughts on uh, the weekend that was for the Isabel Cup from either of you? I was just happy with, you know, obviously the outcome, but just how it, everyone on Twitter just seemed to be really happy and just seemed to be tuning into it. Um, I think it was very successful, and I hope that they continue to do this next year and years beyond that. Absolutely. Haley, what I about hope, you? I hope that our Boston Pride win their third Isabel next season. Yeah, shout out to the Pride again for being the first two-time Isabel Cup champion. And, uh, you know, we, we look forward to seeing how they build their roster because, listen, the toughest thing to do in all of sports is to repeat. So that is the next challenge for the Boston Pride, not just becoming the first two-time Isabel Cup champion, but being able to be the first team to repeat because uh, no, no team's done that yet. So shout out to the Pride once again, and just a shout out to the NWHL for creating a fantastic product, having fantastic engagement on social media, and being a league that uh, we're all certainly excited to see continue to grow. And as we transition over to uh, the National Hockey League, uh, before we wrap things up for the first part of the show and bring on Jake, wanted to uh, go around to each of you, uh, as we do every week, and talk about uh, some of the action on the ice and you know, what teams are really impressing you at the moment, uh, what teams just make you sick to your stomach, uh, and, and uh, all, uh, all that jazz. So Lauren, we'll start with you. Uh, who's really caught your eye over this last week or so? I mean, I have to shout out Mackenzie Blackwood from the Devils just because the Bruins cannot figure him out this year. He's played in four of the five games they've played each other. He's playing in that tonight. So, you know, it's – I don't know what it is about the Bruins that he just really locks in. But, I mean, good for him. Um, I hate playing him. You know, I hate when the Bruins play him. I don't obviously personally play him. Um, but he's been obviously really strong for the Devils. Um the Predators, too, I think the last, you know, five or f six games, they've, they're on this, like, little winning streak here, holding on to that fourth spot in the Central Division. I don't know how long it will last. We'll see. This, I mean, I feel like every division is flip-flopping every week. Um, I mean, you have to shout out the Sabres. 18 games lost. That's, that's impressive, boys. Keep it up. Um, but – you know, other than that, I don't know if anything's really or anyone has really caught my eyes. Um, the St. Louis Blues have lost four in a row, which is always satisfying to see. Um, other than that, yeah, you know, the, the Bruins came back on the ice. I thought they played well after a week off due to COVID, but obviously there's glaring issues there. But they certainly haven't disappointed me, but they are not making me jump out of my seat with excitement. But And shout out my abs. Have to do it every week. So, and because, you know, it's just my thing now. It's our abs. This is an avalanche-centric podcast, right? But other than That's that, right. you know, it's – I feel like it's, it was kind of smooth sailing this week, especially for the Sabres. Oof. 
Yeah, not in a good way. And Jake and I are going to dive into that for sure. I can already tell on the second half of our show. Uh, Lauren, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Do the Bruins score on Mackenzie Blackwood tonight? Uh, I'm saying yes. And I'm saying that because they have to. (laughs) They cannot get shut out again. And they have scored on him before. So I'm putting all my faith into this not being a one nothing game tonight. Yeah, and listen, uh, the Bruins scored on him twice on Sunday, and I'm going to stick by that. Uh, the NHL is not recognizing either of those two goals, but the NHL, I, I need the NHL to get some consistency on what is and what is not goaltender interference because the, by the letter of the law, Patrice Bergeron's goal probably should not have counted on Sunday night, and it didn't uh, because technically that was goaltender interference, but I've seen much worse instances of goaltender interference not get uh, get called. Uh, so if the consistency is all I'm looking for. Uh, and then the other goal, I mean, did it, cr- I think it crossed uh, fully the, the goal line. Uh, you know, the referees reviewed it. They said that it, it did not, but really the Bruins did put two pucks past Mackenzie Blackwood on Sunday night, but they did not count. Lauren believes they will tonight. And I, I really hope so. So by the time you're listening to this podcast, you already know the answer to that. So hopefully they scored plenty. Um, but Hales, how about yourself? Uh, you know, who's caught your eye, uh, in both a positive and negative fashion over this last week? I really wish I could say that the flyers were catching my eye in a positive way any week, but you know, I mean, they have some wins here and there, but it's just kind of depressing because I just feel like they're definitely not making playoffs. I know that they're not that far out of a spot, but it just doesn't seem like their year and, and that's really okay, but they should have come out into this season pretty still hot because they played pretty amazing in the bubble for the most part. Um, But one of my favorite, I guess, memes, I don't know if we consider it a meme, but one of my favorite things about the Isabel cup weekend was the uh, picture about the white caps goalie being a better goalie than Carter Hart. It was hilarious because she did have the 44 uh, save game and then poor Carter Hart. I have his Jersey. I still love him, but it's just not been a great season. So, unfortunately, they're still on a disappointment list for me. Same with the Sharks. There's, it, they're not going anywhere this season. I still love both teams. Um, my only hope is Boston. So, I do need them to score tonight as well because I need them to stay in the playoffs as, <laughs> as the team that I'm going to root for. Um, but I honestly didn't watch a lot of hockey other than women's hockey. So I don't know about teams that are impressing me because I didn't really watch a whole lot. And I was impressed by New Jersey versus Boston because I really do not like the New Jersey Devils. So I do not watch them ever. And I just expect them to be bad because they've been bad for so long that I didn't expect them to beat Boston when I watched it the other night. So it was pretty impressive. Um, hearing from Lauren know that it's mostly the goalie and I'm going to stick with that. That's why. Yeah. The, the devils have had the Bruins number this season. Uh, They've had a really difficult time scoring. Um, Hopefully that comes to an end tonight uh, because really if if you eliminate the Islanders and the devils from existence, the Bruins are the best team in hockey. Uh, They, they, uh, they they beat everyone else, uh, but they cannot seem to figure, figure out either the Isles or the devils. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is just a perfect segue into the second half of our show with Jake, because uh, I know that we'll be discussing Carter Hart's struggles and, uh, and also the Buffalo Sabres uh, being just uh, P-E-E-U, uh, just a 
record, I mean, and setting that, uh, tying that record last night following a three, nothing comeback by the flyers uh, to force overtime and then scoring 40 seconds into OT. Uh, so the flyers did cause Buffalo to tie this record and they will be playing Philadelphia again on 31st. So when this episode airs, uh, to potentially the Sabres are going to a look to avoid setting that record. I don't like their odds. Uh, 18, when you lose 18 in a row, I have a feeling that it's not going to end anytime soon. Um, but as for myself, uh, yeah, Lauren, you mentioned Nashville, and I know that we're going to touch on Nashville in the second half of the show with Jake because we're going to go over uh, the trade deadline. Nashville was a team that everyone's like, okay, you know, Look at Nashville's roster because uh, if you're looking to upgrade, uh, you know, your pieces, that's a team that's going to have players available. Well, not so fast. They've won five in a row, and now now they're in a playoff spot in the Discover Central Division. So they might not be selling anymore. They might be buying at the deadline. So, yeah, they're, they're really impressing me right now, uh, as is I, – I, I shouted them out last week, but I got to shut them out again. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh looks tremendous right now. So as of right now, they're only two points – away from being the leaders in the mass mutual East division. They do have, they have played a couple more games than Washington, but uh, you know, they look like a much different hockey team than I gave them credit for earlier in the season. I kind of wrote them off. They look fantastic right now. And uh, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to contribute on the negative side here. The Boston Bruins are worrying me. Um, And they're worrying me not because of anything they do defensively. Uh, They, Defense and goaltending continues to be stellar for them. They cannot score. Uh, Even against Buffalo, the team that we just mentioned, losing 18 in a row, they struggled to score the other day against Buffalo. And it was, they had to grind out a one goal victory. Uh, It just, it is a labor for them to score right now. And I I don't want to be too hard on them because they've had to shift up lines quite a bit. Uh, Half their team is either injured or in COVID protocols on any given day. Uh, so if they can ever feel the full roster again, I feel like that will improve. But as of right now, uh, they've scored the least amount of goals for any team that is currently in a playoff spot. That's not good. So the Bruins need to find some scoring punch, and hopefully they do so tonight against Mackenzie Blackwood, someone who they just cannot seem to figure out to save their life. Uh, and then finally, I got a shout out, Lawrence Avs. 8-0-2 over the last 10 games. They just look absolutely tremendous. I just, I, I know I mentioned it last episode. I got to mention it again. I just, I think they are coming out of the Western Conference. I think they're going to the Stanley Cup final. I'm going to be on record of saying that as of right now. I just think they look tremendous. Meanwhile, you have St. Louis. They look uh, pitiful. And I think Arizona might actually overtake them uh, for the fourth spot in that division. But uh, as of right now, you know, Vegas looks tremendous, but they can't gain any ground in Colorado because Colorado is nipping at their heels. Shout out to the Avalanche. And uh, I look forward to seeing how they continue to progress throughout this season. But with that all being said, we want to move on to the second half of our show uh, with Jake. So before we do that, I want to give uh, both Lauren and Haley the opportunity. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do my empty netter with Jake later, but if you have any empty netters, any closing thoughts for us, uh, feel free to uh, let them off now. If not, uh, you know, feel free to let all of our listeners know where they can find you. Lauren, we'll start with you. Yeah. So actually, my empty netter is something that happened this morning. Um, my We have a behavioral therapist for my dog because she's become a bit um, territorial and reactive toward people and uh, smaller dogs. So he came by today and he was kind of making an analogy of like, you know, 
I could go, I could know everything about hockey. I could walk into the Bruins locker room and, you know, but they wouldn't listen to me because I'm not Bruce Cassidy. So if I went in there, you know, and I said, uh, Jack Stanika, Charlie Coyle, and Sean Corelli, you're going to start the game. What would they say to me? And like, without even missing a beat, I was like, they would say we're all centers. And he just kind of stared at me. And my fiance, Derek was like, that's not what they would say. So to say, like, we're not listening to you because that's just not how it works. And I was like, oh, yeah. And this is why we cannot make sports analogies around me because the only one who suffers is my dog. But they did appreciate the humor. Um, And Roxy is doing fine. She's just she needs a little help in the department that she needs to understand that. I am the Bruce Cassidy and... She is the Jack Stanika in this family. And she just gave me a big huff at that. So she's clearly still not okay with it. Um, but our listeners can find me on Twitter and Instagram for more funny Bruins content at la 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 Lauren, three laws, then Lauren with four R's. Um, you can hear me on the Nest and Bruins podcast. You can hear me on the Stealing Second pod, also part of FTF. Hopefully we are recording um, a very exciting episode tomorrow or earlier or later this week because opening day is for the Red Sox this Thursday. So we're super pumped. Um, and all my Bruins and WHL and upcoming Red Sox content can be found on Nesson.com. Yeah. So shout out to Roxy, our, uh, one of our mascots. We have multiple mascots uh, with four legs uh, here on Snipe and Selly. But uh, yeah, shout out to Lauren as well, uh, who is recording right before she needs to jump to Bruins coverage. So we appreciate as always how available she makes herself. As for Haley, uh, any, uh, you know, empty netter for, uh, for us. And if not, uh, you know, let us, uh, let our listeners know where they can find you. Uh, just a last plea to please broadcast women's hockey games in the future, because it was awesome. It was fun. And we need more of that. I was really sad when it was over. So I'm going to need more of that next season please broadcast them so that we can all enjoy amazing hockey no matter if it's men's or women's and then you can find me on instagram or twitter at csi haley and on tiktok at csi haley 91 you can follow for the fans media.com on instagram twitter or tiktok at for the fans media and also, of course, for the fansmedia.com. Make sure to go see that. Subscribe to it. You'll get awesome blogs, video blogs, and each podcast has their own page that you can go to. And our amazing Meet the Team page that Mark created, you can learn more about all of our people from there. And lastly, I co host and co run the social medias for two of our FTF shows, Gridiron Girls. You can find at Girls Gridiron on Twitter. And Gridiron Girls Pod on Instagram. And then Fierce and Flawed, you can find at Fierce and Flawed on Twitter and Fierce and Flawed Pod on Instagram. That was a mouthful. I, I, Haley does not read off the script, believe it or not. She memorizes all this up here. Uh, so shout out to Haley. Uh, shout out to both of my line mates, Lauren and Haley. Uh, so that is going to do it for the first half of today's episode. Stay tuned for the second half of our show with Jake. And we're back. Second half of the show here. It is just myself and Jake. Jake, what's going on, my friend? Not much, Mark. How are we doing? It is just lovely to talk to you. I'm very sorry that you had to miss last episode. Jake is uh, working 
super hard uh, to uh, you know get that get that paper. So he unfortunately missed out on our selections of our favorite fights uh, in hockey history. Luckily, Charlie was able to fill in for him on short notice. But we are so happy to have you back here today, Jake. Well, it's 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 awesome to be back and not having to uh, work in an absolute hellhole. Actually, the uh, the day that I decided to work instead of um, record was actually the day I had the absolute worst Karen in my life to serve. She called me a piece of shit for um, upcharging her a dollar for uh, asparagus, and apparently I didn't tell her. And their bill was like twenty three bucks anyways, and they left no tip at all. And she just was like screaming at me and I was like, okay, <laughs> I was like, I, re I really came to work for this today. So that was a, that, 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 that was a very humbling experience that uh, everyone, everyone kind of sucks, but uh, you know what? We're back. We're having fun. <laughs> uh, well, let's take a, a brief, <laughs> a brief interlude here. Cause I got, I, I got to address this. Number one, uh, tip your waiters and waitresses, everyone, if you're listening, Absolutely. please listen, I am a firm believer. You tip your service workers at least 20%. Uh, unless you have just an absolutely god awful experience, and uh, Jake trying to get one over on someone by upcharging them a dollar for uh, for a valuable vegetable as asparagus, I'm sure there's an asparagus shortage in this country. I'm sure you had it coming, Jake. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, twelve pieces of asparagus for a dollar. I mean, Christ. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely stealing money from the pockets of people. Couldn't How believe dare it. you? How dare you? Well, if you are the woman who uh, left no tip for Jake. Shame on you. I don't want you to listen to Snipe and Selly. Go find a different hockey podcast yeah. to satisfy your needs because we don't want you around. Yeah, and if you do listen to Snipe and Selly, uh, go, go, go kick rocks. Please Venmo Jake for <laughs> the tip that you declined to, to provide him at the time of service. Uh, so Jake, uh, Jake, what's your Venmo? Just let, let everyone know right now. My, my Venmo is uh, JQs-20. Yes, so, there you go. Uh, if, so if you, if you want to Venmo me, uh, just please. Or if you just want to, you know, send me a cent and just absolutely flame my existence, that's okay too. I, I, I mean, will accept either. If our wonderful listeners would like to make up for the fact that Jake missed out on a tip, you can Venmo him at the aforementioned handle. There we go. <laughs> uh, Asking the... for handouts. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I, actually, I would, I would accept people Venmo me, Venmoing me like a cent to just uh, hand out the like worst worst insults they could at me i i wouldn't mind that that actually be kind of funny that would be fantastic maybe we can read some of our favorites on, yeah. on the air <laughs> next episode <laughs> um but the reason why we have jake on is not to talk about his horror stories uh, in the service industry i'm sure there's plenty more where that came from but to talk a little bit of nhl trade deadline with it coming up uh talk about the epic epic losing streak that the buffalo sabers are on and also to talk about Carter Hart, a uh, goalie who Jake is actually some, somewhat fond of. Um, this, uh, you know, he's, he's no Jordan Bennington, um, but uh, yeah. someone who's going through a lot of struggles right now. We're going to try and figure out what is going on with Carter Hart. But uh, yeah, we want to start first with the NHL trade deadline. And the reason why we want to take care of this now, as opposed to closer to the April 12th deadline, is the NHL does have a mandatory, as of right now, mandatory two-week quarantine period for any trade acquisitions before they can play with their new team. So because of that, a lot of teams are starting to explore the trade market now in advance of the deadline because they want to be able to have time with these players in their system. You know, you wait till the 12th, suddenly they're not playing with you till the end of April. And then, you know, they got two weeks with the team before the playoffs start if they're a playoff team. So they, they're trying to maybe knock some of these trades out earlier that we just saw Montreal 
acquiring Eric Stahl. Uh, he's about halfway through that quarantine period. I think the league is going to try and the teams are going to try and petition the league to maybe shorten that a little bit, you know, maybe, maybe make it a week. If the player returns multiple negative uh, COVID tests, you know, they can start, uh, you know, accessing the team facility, but as of right now, it's still two weeks. So we're going to start to see some teams make some deals to upgrade themselves as we get towards the stretch run. And there are, I mean, a number of teams who are looking for upgrades, uh, but, you know, just to kind of rattle things off here before I get Jake's thoughts, you know, you have the Avs and Capitals who are most likely going to be exploring the goaltender market. Goal, the goalie market was very active in free agency, if you all recall, and it could be active again here at the trade deadline. And the Capitals, obviously, they were banking on having Henrik Lundqvist available to them when they signed him. He obviously had to go through heart surgery. He, he's already skating again, which is fantastic, but most likely not going to be someone who can help the Capitals this season. So they might be looking to acquire a goalie um, to, to help out, them out in their title run. Um, you also have the Flyers potentially. The Flyers might be trying to generate some cap space for a big move. They actually just placed Shane Gostisbehere on waivers today as we're recording. Oh, they did. Yeah, trying to clear some cap space. I think he has like a $4.5 million cap hit. So wow. they might be trying to gear up to make a, a move here towards the deadline. Um, apparently, Patrick Marlowe would be open to getting traded to a contender, as would uh, Taylor Hall from Buffalo. So, I mean, you have some veterans who might be looking to leave bad situations. But, Jake, I want to go to you. You know, what? who's your eye on? as we approach this trade deadline, uh, who might be on the move, who could help someone. Um, so I have on my list of names, I have about seven different guys. Um, of course, I told you one of them was, was my surprise guy that uh, I think actually will be moved. These, these are guys that I'm just throwing up. But um, number one is uh, Ryan Getzlaff from the Ducks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 35-year-old center. He's probably going to look to get that second cup in his career. You know, it's – that time where he's cup chasing and the ducks aren't really that good. Um, p- personally, I think he'd be a great fit for the hurricanes. I feel like he's just a guy that would absolutely help put them over the top um, in that central division. I think they're sitting second right now with uh, 49 points or something like that. Something ridiculous. Uh, not, not 49, 39. They're right behind the um, lightning though. But I, I think he'd be a guy that could absolutely help that lightning team just not find its identity. They've always been a kind of ragtag. Uh, ragtag type of group that's always been just hard-nosed and just comes right at you and the culture there has been phenomenal you can see it on their on their twitter you hear from players all the time and i think a guy like ryan Getzlaff, especially at this point in his career cup chasing i think he could really put the hurricanes over the top um taylor hall who we already mentioned i think he's on the move uh there's just no doubt in my mind that the sabers are probably going to blow it up um when it comes to jack eichel i don't know if he's going to be traded this year i think what's going to happen. He's probably, he probably won't play the rest of the year. He might play, maybe play like the final week or whatever the season, just to see what he's still got. So he can up his trade value in the off season. But I, th- I, I think the Sabres are really going to blow it up because um, it, it's funny. You mentioned the caps going after a goalie. I, I think Linus Allmark from the Sabres could be a very good fit for them too. Yes. Um, you know, he, he's always been a serviceable guy that can win you games. It's just the, the Sabres are just absolutely utter trash defensively offensively just all around the board that it just he looks pedestrian at times and and it's not his fault it's because he's being left out high and dry to just sit there and and just reap the absolute terribleness that is the buffalo saber so i think he'd be a good guy that could be on the move that's kind of under the radar 
Um, and then I also threw in Patrick Line. Uh, I It's just not working with Columbus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the last time I was on, I had those strong words about Columbus. I still believe that. I still think Columbus just – they just need to do something. And I, I think, A, it's time for Torts to go. But I think, B, it's probably time for Line A to go. It's just been an utter failure up to this point. And I, I, I don't see the fit moving in the future. I think they either need to trade him now or, or let him walk whenever his contract's up. Um, but best bet would get value for him. He's still, he's still a valuable guy. He's still an offensively talented uh, winger that you could throw out there. It's just he's not in the best fit right now, and I don't think he's mentally all there. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but there is one guy that I really think is going to get moved uh, and I think he's going to go to the Boston Bruins. And I tell you this because I think, and this is always a, a case every single year, it's the Bruins looking for serviceable second, third line winger production. And I think they're going to go out and get a guy who is not only capable of giving you that, but could be under contract for the next two years. I think they're going to go after Anthony Mantha from the Red Wings, uh, the right winger. He, he's been, you know, just kind of stuck in limbo with the Red Wings. He's, he's been good. He's not, the, a guy that, you know, is going to be your top three forward. He'll, he'll be a top six, maybe top nine, depending on a team. But I think he'd be a serviceable guy. And I think Sweeney is definitely looking at all options. And when it comes to the Bruins and, and needing to find people to score five on five goals, for Christ's sakes, uh, Anthony Mantha might might be a, a good fit to throw in there. A big bodied guy who's not only physical, but can score as well. So I, I, I do think he is definitely on the move. Hopefully it's to Boston, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go just anywhere. Yeah, I mean, listen, Detroit is a team that's definitely rebuilding. They're at the very bottom of the Central Division. And so if they can get assets for, for players, I mean, that's what you do at this time of the year. Uh, if, if players are not long for your franchise, if you have you know a, a four- or five-year rebuild in the works, you have someone who can help a contender now, you get the best assets to, to assist in your rebuild. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I could totally see that happening. I mean, Taylor Hall, I and for anyone who hasn't been following the Sabres, we're going to touch on them in a second here, but you know, I don't blame you for not wanting to to follow the Sabres. (laughs) They're just epically bad, but Taylor Hall, I mean, Buffalo has rubbed off on him. Unfortunately, he is in the midst of a dreadful season. Uh, At this point, he has two goals uh, through 30 plus games. He obviously has not had Jack Eichel uh, centering him, which was kind of his intent upon signing in the, uh, in, in Buffalo. But the fact that he's on a one-year deal and was trying to recoup, uh, you know, trying to build his value for next free agency when teams will have some more money to spend, that has not gone his way. So I have a feeling that the best contending team that puts an offer out there for him, I have to imagine he's going to waive his no-trade clause and he's going to accept that deal because, again, there's just no future for him in Buffalo. That's a team that did not meet the expectations. Again, I, you know, if you can go – I wish you could go back and listen to the older episodes of Snipe and Selly. Unfortunately, you can no longer do that. But I remember saying that, listen, I did not buy what people were trying to sell with the Buffalo Sabres, that uh, that it was not going to be a team that was going to compete in the division. And that was before we even had the, these realigned divisions, which has made it a lot harder on Buffalo. It just did not seem like it was going to, uh, to be a fit there. And so that was a miscalculation in his part signing there. He's had a down season, but Still, there will be a contender that thinks that, you know what, this guy's too talented to keep playing this way. He can help us. I do not think it's the Boston Bruins, nor do I want it to be the Boston Bruins. There was an absurd, and I was talking to Jake about this before we started recording, there was an absurd 
uh, <laughs> uh, trade rumor that was floated the other day by someone by Bleacher Report saying that the Bruins should fork over a first-round pick, Jake DeBrusque and uh, uh, Jack Studnika in exchange for Taylor Hall. And, I mean, uh, no thank you. That Talk is... about an absolute dramatic overpay for a one-year rental, not even like a 20-game rental. Meanwhile, the, the uh, Toronto uh, Maple Leafs were getting Connor Garland in exchange for, like, nothing. Uh, so it's like, yeah, that, that, that seems equitable. That, that seems equitable in your trade rumors. Um, but yeah, I mean, regardless, a team will make a move for him. I mean, there's just no point in Buffalo keeping him. Get what you can get. If, if you can get a team to fork over a first, fantastic. You could use as many draft picks as, as possible. Um, but yeah, uh, I would also, I think Allmark, uh, as you pointed out, Jake, would be a perfect target for a team that he's actually performed really well this year. Uh, it's just for- yeah, He hasn't been bad. Yeah, it's just a team that plays awful defensively and also can't score. So, uh, you know, he actually has had a, a pretty good season in that he's been injured a little bit too, but uh, he's healthy now, and that'd be a good target for a team like the Caps, like you were mentioning. I want to get your thoughts, Jake, on a team that everyone and their mother has been saying, oh, yeah, this team's going to be selling, this team's going to be selling. And suddenly they've won five in a row, and they are uh, – as of right now, in a playoff spot in the, cover, in the Discover Central Division, and that is the Nashville Predators. Um, everyone was saying, oh, yeah, you know, Philip Forsberg is going to be a trade target for a lot of teams looking to put their scoring over the top, or, you know, Matthias Ekholm, uh, a defenseman who can help a lot of teams. Are those guys even going to be available now? Uh, you know, is, is Nashville going to try and ride this out as long as they can uh, and get up until the very uh, end of the deadline? to see, okay, you know, we are firmly a playoff team in the Discover Central Division. We're not moving these guys anymore. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because in my little side notes, I had Taylor Hall actually going to the Nashville Predators. I, I feel like they'll actually be buyers uh, at the deadline come uh, the time. It's just I don't, I don't see any reason why the Predators wouldn't try to take whatever chance they have and try to throw it away. This is a team that ever since the 2017 finals uh, just absolutely just dropped off the face of the earth and things have only gotten worse for them. And I, I know that they didn't want to be sellers at the deadline. I know their roster has been kind of stale. It's been kind of the same uh, throughout the years, but you know, especially with an aging Pecorine and goalies behind them that uh, just, aren't you, you don't know what they can bring you at times i i think it would be foolish for them to not try to ride out this momentum and see what could happen because you, you know like they say in football any given sunday any given day on the rink any given day on the ice you don't know what could happen unless you're the buffalo sabers so i think the nashville predators have a good chance of not only being buyers but keeping their core guys and just riding out the wave see what happens yeah i mean it, it's one of the things that I adore about the National Hockey League to no end is the fact that all you got to do is get into the tournament. Uh, you know, eight seeds have had a chance to, uh, to go to a cup final and win and some, and in fact, have, have done that. So Nashville was a team that everyone and their mother, again, was saying, uh, this, this is, you know, keep your eye on them to sell off pieces. Uh, if you're looking to upgrade, look, you know, you know, take a look at their roster. Uh, now it's very much not the case. Uh, just in, in a matter of, uh, of a week or so, uh, suddenly they're uh, they're holding off Chicago for that uh, that final playoff spot as of right now, and a team like Columbus that everyone was like, oh well, you know they'll get it together. They'll be that fourth playoff team in the Central Division. That's a team that's uh, you know sitting at 13, 15, and eight. Uh, things look like an absolute disaster there right now. As you mentioned, Line A is just not working out there. 
and they could be sellers uh, potentially just in the blink of an eye things have changed in in, in that division yeah absolutely and let's not forget about the two uh the two-headed monster of goaltenders that columbus has too with um elvis merslikens and, and uh, Giannis corpusello those guys could be on the move too uh, so, it, you know, I really would not be shocked if Columbus just decides to just blow it all up and just start rebuilding from the ground up next year. Because at, at this point, you know, the same case with the Nashville Predators, the rosters be kind of come stale and, and ragtag. But the only difference is the Predators have been able to manage a level of somewhat consistency throughout the, the mediocrity of play that has been going on the past three years. Columbus has just completely fallen off. And I, I uh, for a team that I had coming in second for the Central, it's kind of just disappointing to watch what's going on. So, who knows with Columbus? Uh, you know, as much as I stand towards, it's I, I think the time's running out there. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to see some trade activity pick up here in the next next week or so, and uh, we look forward to discussing it on uh, the next uh, episode of Snipe and Sally. Uh, definitely see uh, again. It looks like Philadelphia uh, through. Playing, uh, placing Shane Gostisbehar on waivers. It looks like they're trying to generate some cap space for a big move. And again, that's that's a risk, you know, because anyone can, uh, if, if they have the cap space, anyone can pick up uh, um, Gostisbehar as of right now. So uh, you got to be pretty sure that you're getting something done if you're pl- placing players on waivers. So we'll have to see what they do as well. And, uh, very interesting to, uh, to see. And we'll discuss Philadelphia a little bit later here. But we want to move on to the aforementioned Buffalo Sabres. And Yes, we've mentioned that they are bad. But again, if you have not been paying attention to the Buffalo Sabres, you might not necessarily know how bad. And we're going to uh, describe it to you right now. The Buffalo Sabres, as we're recording again on um, Tuesday, March 30th, they are coming off a game last night against the aforementioned Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, very appropriate that we close the show talking about these two teams. They played last night. The Flyers fell behind 3-0 to Buffalo, to which hockey Twitter got a buzz. Like everyone was kind of paying attention to that game. Like, okay, are they going to snap a 17-game losing streak? Now, not all those games have been in regulation. They do have mixed in a couple of OT losses, but uh, they, they have not won in 17 consecutive games as of uh, that game. And that 3-0 lead suddenly dwindled to 3-1. Uh, but again, uh, you know, you had a full, uh, a full period left, you know, two goal lead, all marks, a good goalie. You know, th- this looks like, uh, this looks like it, it, uh, it could be in the bag for Buffalo. Another goal crosses the, uh, the goal line. It's three to two. As we get closer and closer again, um, Philadelphia has pulled the goalie with uh, just under a minute to go. And with 40 seconds left, the game is tied the lead has evaporated Buffalo and Philadelphia go to overtime only to see 40 seconds into overtime, Philadelphia go right down the ice and win this game. So the Sabres blow a three goal lead. They lose their 18th consecutive game, which now ties a league record. So they have, they, as of this recording and they play again on, on Wednesday, the 31st. So by the time you're listening to this, it is most likely that the Sabres will be attempting to avoid setting NHL history with a 19th consecutive loss. It is just remarkable how awful they are. As we're recording this episode, they sit at six 
23 and five. That is 17 points. They have scored 71 goals. That is less as, oh, just over two goals per game by slightly. They have given up 122 goals. That is a goal differential of minus 51. They have turned former MVP players such as Taylor Hall into players who have two goals to their name as of right now, uh, 34 games into the season. It is just remarkably bad. Uh, their captain, uh, Jack Eichel, is, uh, is you know, out most likely for the remainder of the season. It is just so, so blue right now in Buffalo. Jake, just what are your thoughts on this franchise? It just, every year it seems like, you know, they, you know, they sign Jeff Skinner. Uh, he loses his talent. Like the, the Monstars uh, stole his talent. They signed Taylor Hall. Uh, he can no longer find the back of the net. It's, you know, good players are going to Buffalo to die. Uh, it just seems like the, there's no way out, no matter how many top draft picks they, uh, they add to their organization. This just situation seems to be getting worse. Um, I, to, to be honest, I, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. I like, <laughs> like I, Buff, Buffalo has always kind of just been the team that lingers there. They're, they're, they're kind of like the redheaded stepchild, but Buffalo's been there. They're, they're, they're just there. They exist. And it's been that way for the past decade or so. And, and all of a sudden they make some big moves in free, uh, free agency and, and in the trade market, you know, when they brought in Jeff Skinner and all of a sudden he scores 40 goals, you know, that yeah, it's exciting, you know, let's re-sign him. Let's pair him with Jack Eichel. We got something, maybe we can build around that. And Jeff Skinner kind of falls off the face of the earth, but you know what? It's, it's okay. He, he still shows up at times, but when he's, when he's off, he's off, but when he's hot, he's hot. And then all of a sudden we hear rumors start, going around last year that Eichel wants out and uh and then all of a sudden things just seemingly collapse and father fall further and further and, and we get to the end of the season and it's like well what are we gonna do Buffalo had a choice to blow it up or just have one more chance to do something and, and bring in a guy like Taylor Hall former MVP of the league to come in and help spice things up. And at the time people are talking about how, you know, good Buffalo could be this year, you know, on paper, they, they got a stacked team and uh, uh, no, no, they don't. Buffalo is, they're the factory of sadness in, in the NHL this year. And for some, for some reason, Taylor Hall decided to sign with Buffalo knowing full well that, the past couple of years, there's been quite a few missteps in that organization. There's been whispers and rumblings all around that guys like Jack Eichel, the star player, the captain of their team, wants out. When you hear even the slightest inkling that the captain of the team doesn't want to be there, that 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 should bring some questions in your head. And I, I understand it. Taylor Hall was probably offered that $8 million. It was probably the best contract you could get at the time because teams didn't want to overpay for him, and I understand it. And kudos to those teams that didn't overpay because well Taylor Hall sitting here with two goals 30 plus games in uh definitely still great trade value for him but uh just it's just bad and what's sad is I don't even think Buffalo's trying to tank I really don't think they're trying to tank they're they're just they're just bad just defensively offensively they're bad they can't piece anything together there's no chemistry on that team and it shows on the ice day in and day out and and that team just needs a total makeover, just total blow it all up, get new guys in there. I don't care if it's a new coaching staff. I don't care if it's a whole new roster. I don't even care if it's a whole new owner. 
the, the, this team needs a rebranding and they need to do something fast because the, the Buffalo Sabres are just, are, it's sad. It, they have turned into the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Bills are now good. And, and if history in Buffalo will repeat itself, it'll be another 20 years until the Sabres decide to be good. So hopefully that doesn't happen for the sanity of Buffalo fans. But, uh, you, you know, especially in a market like Buffalo for hockey, you'd, you'd expect them to actually care about the product that they're putting not only on the ice, but the product that they're putting together as a whole. And it just does not seem like they do, which is sad. So ho hopefully they can figure something out. But Buffalo has just been absolutely just bad, just terrible. Uh, and, and that's the surprise part. You mentioned they turned into the Buffalo Bills. I mean, even the Buffalo Bills finally – after so many years, they found a quarterback and they made it to the AFC championship game. Their fans are excited again. Like even they found happiness. I just don't know when it's going to happen for the Buffalo Sabres. And we're talking about a team that has not made the playoffs now in a decade. My actually my fun fact, and I cannot take credit for this. I saw this on Twitter the other day because people were celebrating, you know, just, you know, taking so many shots at the Sabres at, uh, at how you know, they've tied a record for longest losing streak in league history. The Buffalo Sabres have still won a playoff series more oh. recently <laughs> than the Toronto Maple Leafs. I saw this. I saw Drink that. that in. Drink that in, hockey fans and Maple Leaf fans. As dreadful as the Buffalo Sabres look right now, that franchise has still had more recent playoff success than you. The last playoff series victory uh, by the Buffalo Sabres was in 2007 when they beat the New York Rangers in the conference semis. Uh, and again, the last time they were in the playoffs was 2011 uh, when they lost to uh, Philadelphia in the first round. But in terms of uh, Toronto, you know, people are saying there's no way that can be true. The, the Leafs are in the playoffs every year. Well, they are. Yes, they're usually you know, getting waxed by the Bruins. That's uh, true. There's no chance of that this year. Uh, thank God for Buffalo, although uh, for, for Toronto, I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, you know, you do have Edmonton kind of uh, might be competing for that honor. But the last time the Maple Leafs actually won a playoff series was all the way back in 2004 when they beat the Ottawa Senators in the first round of the playoffs. So you have to go back to – yeah, I mean, it has been nearly 17 years since they even won a playoff series. Uh if you're a Maple Leafs fan, and I do, based on looking at the uh, demographic information for Snipe and Selly, I see that we do have some listeners in Canada. Uh, hello. Howdy to you all. Uh, so if you are a Maple Leafs fan, I, I'm very sorry that you took a ricochet shot in a segment about the Buffalo Sabres. But I got to say, I mean, it's just been embarrassing for you as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just, I don't see any way out uh, right now for Buffalo. I mean, you got to see if you can find someone to take Jeff Skinner's contract. Maybe uh, I don't you know, think take, anyone will. It's going to be tough. Just... It's going to be tough. Uh, you know, Taylor Hall's on a one-year deal. You can easily find someone to take him. Uh, you know, just get. I, I can't imagine that he's going to want to resign there anyway. So just take what you can get for him uh, and, and and let him move uh, go on his way. But I mean, you got to see if you can move some dead weight off of that uh, off that roster and just go full rebuild. You know, see if someone can take Kyle Ocposo. Uh, see if, uh, if someone will take Skinner again, like Jake said, it's going to be very difficult to do that. But, you know, if you attach enough draft picks, um, you know, maybe later first round draft picks, certainly not your own because you're going to need those. But if you attach enough draft picks to, to a player, maybe someone will take them off your hands. I don't know. Um, you know, the Bruins uh, have become 
quite skilled at doing that. Uh, Don Sweeney giving up first round picks to get teams to take, uh, get rid of his mistakes. But <laughs> I just, you got to just go full rebuild at this point. You have teams, even when they go back to the traditional uh, divisional format, there's going to be a lot of heavy hitters in Buffalo's division. So it's going to be a while until you're a, uh, a contender anyway. So, you know, I don't, I think you want to try and convince Jack Eichel, Hey, don't ask out. We want to, you know, put some more young players around you. It'll be a little bit longer of a rebuild, but you know, it, the veterans that they are, that they've been adding have not been helping things. So uh, it's just, it's hard to see a way out other than just rebuild and, and just hope that you can add some generational talents through the draft process. You know, you, you got to scout well uh, and you got to add young, uh, young talent, young affordable talent to your roster and see if that helps turn things around for you. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, the the I think the domino that really helped this fall was the uh, initial trade of Ryan O'Reilly. Trading him was the biggest mistake that Buffalo could have made at the time, and it's only gotten worse from there. Yeah, it really has. Uh, you know, th- things have definitely because you know Buffalo, especially in the years that Ryan Miller was there. I mean, they they seemed competitive. It uh, you know it, it was uh, they were a pesky team. They made the playoffs a few times there in, in the uh, the the early uh, the early twenty tens. And it's just, they've fallen on such, such hard times. It's just, it's, I know it's a passionate sports market. Uh, they, they really only have two teams, uh, the, the Bills and the Sabres. So uh, when 50% of those teams are just absolutely dreadful, I mean, it's better than 100%, which was <laughs> the case up until this past year. But uh, it just, uh, they, they'd love to have a winner over there. And it just seems like they have not had a team that is seriously competitive since Dominic Hasek left. I mean, even though some of those teams, in the uh, the late uh, you know two thousands early twenty tens uh, you know, they 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 weren't real contenders so I mean uh, it's we're going on two decades since the Sabers have been even remotely in the conversation for Stanley Cup contention yeah oh, well yeah I mean we we got to see what uh, what they do with the deadline again that'll be a team like you mentioned Jake that could be active uh, Hall could be on his way out Olmark could be on his way out who knows who else maybe Ocposo could be on his way out. Uh, you got to see, uh, you know, what uh, what teams will take your pieces that could uh, be useful in other places and, and just uh, steer right into the rebuild. But we want to touch, uh, before we wrap things up, on another gentleman who, talented young player who has fallen on some hard times, uh, and that is no, none other than Carter Hart. Carter Hart is a very promising young goalie. I mean, he's, he's still just 22 years old. And right now he is struggling to the point where he's been benched indefinitely by Elaine Vigneault. Um, you know, this is a, a young man who came up in the 2018, uh, 19 season, uh, showed some flashes of being a really uh, capable goalie again at just, you know, the, the age of 20 last season, he really anchored Philadelphia as they made a playoff run and, uh, and was super, super impressive inside the bubble, uh, especially. And, Philadelphia was really pinning their hopes on him taking that next step this season. And it has been anything, but um, he, at this point, he's right off the heels of having a couple of the flyers had some disastrous games, back-to-back disastrous games against the New York Rangers. Uh, that one game in which they lost nine to nothing and another that they lost eight to three. So 17 goals in two games surrendered to the New York Rangers, both of which uh, Carter Hart started. Again, that's a team in the New York Rangers. They've scored 107 goals uh, in 34 games. Not terrible, but 
again, 17 of those came over the course of two games against the Philadelphia Flyers. It has just been very rough for lately for Carter Hart to the point where he now has posted a 4.04 goals against average and an 8.69 save percentage. Uh, nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> that is, those are numbers so, so putrid that, yeah, I, again, I, that those, those are worse than backup goalie numbers. You don't see numbers like that from NHL goalies anymore, even in an era where scoring is up. It's just been, it's been awful. And no one can seem to figure out what's going on in his game. And again, this is a promising goalie, but uh, you know, still at 22 years old, do you consider if you're Philadelphia, you know, cause you have Brian Elliott, a veteran goalie who can be serviceable for you. Do you consider just kind of pulling the plug on Carter Hart this season and, you know, sending him down to, uh, to the AHL, uh, just giving him a rest in general? Because, listen, it is a tough year for hockey players. You have so many COVID cancellations. Uh, you know, players are kind of living in isolation. You know, this is a rough time for players. And, you know, it's possible that Carter Hart is just struggling. Uh, and, you know, it, it might be better to just kind of pull the plug, uh, call it a season for him. And, uh, you know, I, I – some people might be listening and think that that's kind of drastic. I don't think it's drastic. I think that, you know, it might be in his best interest long-term to just, you know, let him have a breather. What do you think about this, Jake? Uh, I, I definitely agree with that, but I think for some players, especially goalies, uh, you, you, you need to be in that mental space. You, you need to be in your comfort zone because if you're not, you know, goalies like a quarterback, you know, if you don't have a goalie, you don't have a team. And Carter Hart has left the bubble and, and come out this season and just he, – he, he hasn't looked good. He just, he just hasn't. At times, he's looked like the Carter Hart that we all saw last year and the year before. And at times, he just looks lost. You know, he's a young guy. He's only 22 years old. But I, 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 I think we're actually starting to see Carter Hart for who he is. And – you know, granted, Philadelphia's defense compared to last year just ha- has not been as, as good as they were. For some reason, they just have completely not been able to dominate teams that the, the way they used to last year uh, leading up to the bubble, and especially in the bubble. That, you know, entering the zone with the puck was an absolute nightmare against the Philadelphia Flyers. But the difference between last year and this year is not much. Uh, Carter Hart is still facing the same amount of shots. In fact, he's facing less shots this year per game than he, he faced last year, if only by half a shot. But still, he, he, a lot, last year he faced 23 shots a game. That's like 23.1. Last year was like 23.8. Uh, he's just allowing as twice as many goals he did. And I really think that A, speaks to the lack of defensive fortitude that the Flyers have. And I, I, I think it speaks to be that a lot of teams, they have film on, on Carter Hart now. They have film on this Philadelphia defense. They know how to attack and they know what to do. And I think between the lack of just defensive efficiency, the lack of just consistency, I, I, I think it just, it's, it's a sad case of just, just hit a wall at the wrong time. Uh, well, well, considering to shut him down and maybe just waiting till next year to play him, it, well, that that is a good thought. I, I I think he has to play this one through. I I think you need to give him a week or two to just you know collect himself, get in that mindset, and I think you need to throw him back out there and let him prove that he's a guy that could be worthy of not only extending after the season, 
but building your franchise around. Because honestly, at this point, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, he's a poor man's Jordan Bennington right now. He is a poor man's Jordan Bennington right now. And I hate saying that because the absolute hatred and just, but just speaking of Jordan Bennington makes me livid. Just gets my blood boiling. Like I hear that name and I just want to like punch a child. Like that's how mad it gets me. But Carter Hart's been worse. That, that's how angry Jordan Uh, so I think we're having technical difficulties with, uh, with Jake here. Um, but uh, what that's just brought on by the fact that he is so viscerally upset by the, the notion of Jordan Biddington. If you're a new listener to Snipe and Selly, then uh, you have no idea just how amazingly angry. He actually nicknamed him Jordan Benchington uh, last year during the postseason. So uh, Jake, do we have you back? It does not look like we have Jake back. Uh, this is the, the risks that uh, are associated with, uh, with podcasting. Um, me, you hear oh, me? I can hear you now. All right. My, yeah, my Wi-Fi just completely went out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I didn't realize that my screen froze. So I was just talking for like a minute and didn't realize. <laughs> we, uh, I mean, that's just, you caused your Wi-Fi to crash with how unbelievably angry the notion yeah, of just uh, makes you. Yeah, it, it, it was like the uh, Super Saiyan aura just going off. I just destroyed my Wi-Fi router. Just that's how angry I got. It was so tense that the Wi-Fi couldn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's rough right now uh, for, uh, for for Carter Hart. And, uh, yeah, the, like you said, goalies all going to go through struggles. They go through their ups and downs. And from here, it's about whether or not he can rebound and adjust. And, again, the book's not written on a young player like him. He's still 22 years old. He'll be 23 in in august so i mean yeah, he's still very much a young player uh and i doubt that philadelphia is you know selling on uh on carter hart but you know when elaine vigneault mentions that you know he has to work harder that's not a great sign uh you know the, when when he's tying it back to your effort and not just uh you know th- things just kind of going poorly for you you know maybe a you know, we always talk about how a healthy scratch kind of helps to uh to work uh when it comes to getting, uh, you know, a forward to, uh, to, you know, kind of up his game that, you know, that view from the press box often helps maybe uh, uh, some time off here for Carter Hart will recharge his batteries. And, uh, you know, I'd love to see him jump back in for Philadelphia if possible and, uh, and you know, help lead them, uh, you know, as still as a right now have a shot at uh, playoff hockey. So, you know, hopefully I mean, he's, 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 yeah, he's a, he's a young kid that this franchise could potentially be looking to extend and build around. So if he can't prove that he's worthy of that, then, they might have to hit the reset button all over again. Yeah, because, I mean, as of right now, uh, as we record this, Philadelphia has surrendered 123 goals on the season. That's actually one worse than Buffalo. Uh, so in, in the same amount of games played, too. So as Buffalo has been so putrid, as we just discussed, and Philadelphia has actually given up more goals than them. So uh, only the Anaheim Ducks have surrendered uh, – or no, I'm sorry, the Ducks have surrendered the same amount as Philadelphia. It's – the Senators, who I will forever regret saying would be a playoff team this year, who have given up the most goals mm-hmm. in hockey. So only the Ottawa Senators have given up more than, than Philadelphia. So I mean, it's, things are definitely rough right now for, for Carter Hart, but you know, here's hoping that he gets it together. I enjoy watching goalies. I'm a goalie enthusiast, so uh, I really hope that he can get, you know, get things together here for Philadelphia in the stretch run. 
But with that being said, Jake, I want to kind of uh, wrap things up uh, for us here today. And so do you have any empty netters for us? Any kind of closing thoughts as we uh, wrap up the show? Um, you know what? I think I'm finally ready to actually pick my Stanley Cup winner. Oh, okay. Here we go. Uh, I mean, you don't have to do this right now if you don't want to. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm ready to pick the matchup, and I think I, I, I'm ready to pick my winner. I really am. I am picking to win the Stanley Cup final this year. I am picking the Carolina Hurricanes to Ooh. win in six over the Avalanche. Okay, well, it's a good thing that we're doing a split recording. I don't think Lauren would have liked to to hear that. Uh, Probably so. not. <laughs> nope that's that's why uh, that's why I said it when she's not here. <laughs> that well, way, I don't. I just don't get that look. Look, I mean, look. As much as I'm a Bruins homer, and as much as I want them to win the Stanley Cup, as much as I still think they will, uh, you, you know, it's it's not fun to just be the homer uh, all the time. And uh, Carolina has been playing some phenomenal hockey, and it. it at this point, they, they look like a strong team to not only contend and maybe get first place in the Central, but go deep in the playoffs. And I, I think they're well-equipped to actually do that. Um, I, I still think they might need to add one more piece just to you know, not only add some experience on that team, I, I think they need to get a playoff guy uh, that could come in and help them win a cup. Maybe if that's a like Ryan Getzlaff, like I mentioned or, earlier, or maybe Patrick Marlowe, who knows? But I, I think they just do need that one more piece. But th- this, is, this is an exciting team. Um, and, you know, I, I think they could definitely run the table if, you know, some pieces fall the right way and some luck is on their side. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche, you, you know, uh, a strong team, a lot of people's cups favorites, even at the beginning. Uh, I, I know they're going to contend with the Vegas Golden Knights, and I, I think they will, and I think they'll overcome them. So uh, I, I genuinely think at this moment that the Stanley Cup final is going to be the Hurricanes and, and the Avs, just based off what I've seen the past month. It's just been absolutely phenomenal. Will that happen? Probably not. Do I want it to happen? No. But I, I, I think it will happen. I, I, I do genuinely think it will happen. I think a surprise team is going to win the Stanley Cup, and why not the Hurricanes? Yeah, I mean, as of right now, they are neck and neck with Tampa Bay in the Discover Central Division. Uh, They are just a point behind Tampa, but they do have a game in hand. So they have a legitimate shot to win that division over the defending cup champs. Obviously, the Panthers are still there with them, too. Like, they're they're right behind Tampa, but then Florida's right behind them. So, I mean, those three teams, uh, there could be a lot of movement uh, between the three of them over the course of these next uh, 20 games or so to see who who winds up winning that division. But uh, that... Carolina is going to have a lot of competition to get out of that division, but if they do, yeah, they have as good a chance as anybody. So I'm, I'm glad that you put that out there, Jake. And of course we're going to hold you to that. So when we make our <laughs> playoff predictions come, uh, come May, we, you know, we'll be able to, to look back on, on this fateful day back in March. Yeah. <laughs> the day Jake picked the hurricanes. Yeah. So um, as for myself, wanted to use my empty netter to just uh, send some well wishes over to Aaron Ekblad. Um, just a, a very rough, rough injury for him um, the other night. Uh, if anyone managed to uh, manage to miss this, uh, definitely don't look at the replay. It was, it was kind of made me kind of queasy, but uh, Aaron Ekblad from, from the aforementioned Florida Panthers was in the midst of an absolutely tremendous season. Uh, he was one of the reasons why the Panthers have been as surprisingly good as they've been this year. And he unfortunately suffered a fracture in his left leg. I, 
I actually thought he like tore his ACL or something uh, based on the kind of way he kind of collapsed on the ice. Uh, as it turns out, it was a fracture in his leg. That's probably better for him long-term um, than tearing a ligament, but uh, he's going to be out for at least 12 weeks. Uh, so, you know, do the math. It's four months. His, his season's over. Uh, so it's just so disappointing. Again, he was having a career year. Uh, the Panthers are having a tremendous year and uh, you know, he, has taken to social media to thank the outpouring of support that he's gotten, but just very, very unfortunate for him. Uh, and you'd hate to see that, that take the wind out of the sails of a small market team that's having some success. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when, when I first saw the injury, I didn't watch the game live, so I saw it on Twitter. I actually had to rewatch it like three or four times. I didn't realize what had actually happened until I just kind of happened to look more towards the wall and just see his entire leg just bent. It, it absolutely just, uh, it disgusted me like it, it was it's a horrible injury so you know all, all the best to him and hopefully he overcomes it um but you know it, it just sucks to see how great of a season he was having and then all of a sudden just to have it taken away just like that and you know that's the case when it you know comes to being an athlete in general in any sport you know, just one play one freak little incident could jeopardize not only your season but career so hopefully he can come back um you, you know especially with the fractured leg it's probably going to take about roughly a year for him to really get back on the ice and be a hundred percent and skate around. So uh, all the power to him, hopefully his, his recovery goes well and there's not any setbacks. Um, so it's just, it's, it's disappointing to see it, it really is, but I'll, I'll, all I can say at this point is just good luck and the best of wishes to you. Yeah. Same here. Uh, so that is going to do it for us today. Jake, if you want to go around and let our listeners know where you can be found online, I would love to have you do that right now. Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at uh, JakeyPooBear1, I believe, is my handle. I actually, I, I don't even know what my own hand, I, I'm, it's JakeyPooBear1. Uh, yeah, yeah, JakeyPooBear1, or you can find me on Instagram at JKSnake20, because I still have not changed it yet. I'm uh, going to change that to JakeyPooBear1 as well. Or you can find me lingering around on uh, FTF Media uh, with some um, articles here and there uh, throughout the year when I'm not being swamped with homework or anything. Um, and you can also find me right here on Snipe and Selly or any of our old podcast. Well, actually, no, uh, never mind. <laughs> but yeah, you can find me on Snipe and Selly. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we love having Jake as part of our team. And uh, yeah, you can definitely, he likes to write articles from, ta- from time to time. I'm sure he'll do something in advance of the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, oh, that uh, will be well worth your time. So as for myself, I can be found on Twitter at Mark Pacelli 13 That is P-I-S. E-L-L-I. I can also be heard on Views from the Rafters, that is FTF Media's basketball podcast, as well as on Nerd Pod, uh, breaking down uh, all things movies, uh, talking about how uh, the Snyder Cut was actually bad, despite what uh, most of the internet is saying. Uh, and I can also be found on the Fierce and Flawed podcast with uh, Haley and, uh, and a bunch of other our, of our wonderful ladies here at FTF Media. So that is going to do it for us today. We very much appreciate your support and until the next time enjoy the action on the ice everybody see you everyone